0: A good portion of Socrates' last days, his last conversations with his friends, are spent engaged in philosophical speculation and argument about whether the soul is actually immortal, can we prove that in any way, and about some metaphysical doctrines having to do with the forms and recollection and the virtues and stuff like that. One of the questions that inevitably comes up, though, for us human beings is, that's all great, but what exactly happens to us after we die? And here Plato has Socrates make recourse to what we call a myth, or the Greek word for that is actually mythos, and it doesn't mean myth in the sense of something that is completely untrue. Uh, A fable that we just tell ourselves but nobody really believes in or only stupid people believe in. It means a plausible story, some sort of account, but an account for which we're not going to try to prove it true because it would take too long to try to do that. Or it requires us to have access to things that we're we're not actually going to have at the time that we're trying to prove it until perhaps we die. So, Plato will often do this at certain points, certain junctures in his dialogues. He'll have Socrates say, you know, we've done a lot of stuff over here with philosophical argument. Now let me tell you a story. And it seems to me a plausible story. He does this in the Mino. He does this in the Gorgias. He does this in the Republic. He does this at a number of points. And he does this a lot when it comes to the afterlife and what's going to happen precisely to the human beings. Now, in the Phaedo, you're going to see the same basic idea of reincarnation that comes up in some of the other dialogues. But along with it, there's also a judgment that takes place in an apportionment of rewards and punishments, depending on what kind of a person one is. The idea is that when you die, you don't take your your body with you, so they can see you as you really are. Even if you had a nice body, if you're a real jerk, they're going to see that you're a real jerk. And if you were kind of ugly, but you were actually a really great person, they can see that you're a great person. So you'll be judged by... And there's different versions of how this is going to work. But in this case, you're going to be judged after dying. There's a whole other part of the story, too, that I'm passing over, I should mention. Socrates has this great account of how the earth is a solid ball. When people try to tell you that the ancients thought the world was flat... Have them read the phaedo and then he's got this long discussion about you know the four rivers and how they go into the world and stuff like that we don't really need to worry about that at this point that's interesting stuff but what we're really interested in is what happens to the souls because of this judgment so if they've done terrible horrible things they're actually not reincarnated they lose the shot of being put back into another body instead they're thrown into tartarus hell which is the really bad place. That's where, that's where you'd send the, the terrible villains in the, the ancient world if you were a god. That's where, you know, when the gods imprison the titans, they imprison them down there. So if you're incurably bad, and, you know, he talks about what would go into that sort of thing. Just imagine the worst possible person. This would be like where the Hitlers and the Stalins end up. In any case, they end up in Tartarus, and they're off the scene then. They're not going to get reincarnated. They're not getting another shot. So Plato doesn't believe in reincarnation as in everybody goes through the wheel. Some people actually get off, and they don't get off by being liberated. They get off by something horrible happening, which is fair and just because they were horrible people. Now, he says the people who are bad, but not incurably bad, like matricides, for example, they have to be thrown in Tartarus, but they're only down there for a year, although who knows how long a year feels like down there. And then afterwards, he's telling you this story at two different points. Their souls are going to get put into the bodies of bad animals. So those who are kind of gluttonous and obstinate, they'll be donkeys. And those who are mean, who are rapacious, who attack other people, who, you know, dominate them, they'll be things like wolves or birds of prey. They might say, well, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to be, you know, a hawk or a wolf. But in Plato's view, that's actually something bad. And, you know, if you think about it, if human beings came across wolves, they'd try to kill them. So this, this is really saying those kind of people are going to have to inhabit the kind of bodies that are going to merit them the enmity of of genuine human beings. They did. They screwed up when they were human beings, and they screwed up big time, so now they have to pay. Let's go to the other extreme. We'll come back to the decent people in the, the cycle there. Socrates says that the people who are very holy, who have the, the virtue of holiness, who do the sorts of things that they, they should, they pass on to a pure abode. And this is an earthly abode, because he's got this whole thing with, you know, the earth and where we live, and we only see part of it. So it's kind of hard to map out the geography of this. But they go to a better place. That's, That's the point. They don't get reincarnated. They aren't put into the body of an animal. They aren't put into the body of another person. They pass on to a great place. And then the philosophers among them, who have carried on this process of purifying themselves even more, By separating the body from the soul before the body and the soul were actually separate, undoing the rivets of pleasure and pain and desire and fear by which the body has bound the soul to it, you know, bending the prison bars, they go on to even better places, and Socrates says, those are pretty hard to describe. But presumably they're immaterial. What we're talking about here, if you align it with the other accounts of what happens to philosophers and to so the souls of the good after death, they are in this immaterial, intelligible realm where they're you know, they with the gods, they're with the other good people, the super good people, and they see the forms, the realities, including the form of the good face-to-face and for all eternity. So that's the good way. We've got the bad, we've got the good... Now we got the middle range. You know, they're not super good. They're not super bad. Maybe they're good citizens. They don't really oppress anybody. They just do what they do. They don't practice philosophy. They don't really go out of their way. Well, they're going to be stuck back in the cycle again. And Socrates says, you know, the ones that are decent people, they can go into other animals. What kind of other animals do they go into? He's got a funny suggestion here. You know, there'll be bees and ants, the social creatures, because they're the kind of people that can actually get along with other people, so they can get along as souls with other animals. You know, the bad They can't get along with other people. That's why they have to be purified or, you know, they have to expiate their badness from them. Some of the decent people are so decent that they actually get to be people again. It's kind of funny. Plato doesn't have a doctrine of reincarnation that has just about everybody becoming a person again. And if you compare this with other views on reincarnation, like those of uh, you know various Indian religions, you're going to see the same thing. Most people don't get a shot immediately at being a person you have to kind of work. You have to deserve that. You have to, to merit it. And you know, the implication is that if you're in a person's body right now, you have an opportunity that is unparalleled. Because bees don't get to do that. They have to wait until they get reincarnated into a person eventually. The animals don't get to do that. People actually have free will. They can, you know, make choices for themselves. They can set their life path. They can become philosophers, they can be holy. Or they can shoot it out the hell and you know wind up down in Tartarus. In any case, we have this whole cycle that's going on and on and on and on, and in that respect. It's similar to other doctrines of reincarnation. There's a way off of the, the wheel of reincarnation, and that's through being, in you know, a holy, or if you really want to get to the good place, be a philosopher, and not just, you know, somebody who's got an academic degree, but actually practice philosophy in the way that Socrates is talking about as an ascesis, as a discipline, your whole life, and then you might get this. But there's also the possibility of winding up in a terrible, bad place that there's no escape from whatsoever. And that's a little bit different than most doctrines of reincarnation, for which, no matter how bad you are, you're going to get thrown back into the hopper. You might suffer a lot being cockroaches or being demons or things like that, but sooner or later you get another shot. Whereas some people, Plato thinks, at least at this point, are so bad that they don't get another try. The last thing that I want to say about this is Plato has this idea that what the soul is bringing with it is really its habits. So it doesn't bring with it its body or what the body has done, but it brings the traces of what it has experienced, what it's chosen to do, how it's approached situations in the body. If I'm incurably bad, it's because I've actually got these terrible habits and I can be relied on to be a terrible person. If I'm a bad person who has to go and, you know, get some expiation and purification, what they're doing is they're sort of undoing these bad habits that I have. And if I just have sort of middling habits while I wind up in this, if I want to proceed into the better places, I have to develop good habits. Those are called the virtues. And that's how one actually makes it to the better places. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page.